Goodness, greetings, especially to you, my friend. Welkom weer eens by die watergat. Ek is Peter Woon, ons gaan nou weer een gouden uur saamkeier langs die levende waters van Godse woord. One of the biggest and most argued mysteries in the Bible is the incarnation of Jesus Christ, die menswording van Jesus Christus. The word who existed before creation became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God, come in the flesh, living there where you live. Before we get into today's topic, let's start the right way in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you gave your only Son, for you so loved the world that you gave your only Son that those who would believe in him would have eternal life and not perish. We thank you for this awesome truth. We pray that you'd open it to our understanding this morning. Will you please come show us what we need to see? Tell us what we need to hear, that we are not seeing and that we are not hearing. All of this to the glory of the Father. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. Amen, amen, and amen. So, the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery van die menswording, other Afrikaans words used, belichaming, incarnatie, verpersoonlikking, vleeswording. Hebrews 2 verse 14, We are people of flesh and blood. That is why Jesus became one of us. He died to destroy the devil who had power over death. But he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. Jesus clearly did not come to help angels, but he did come to help Abraham's descendants. He had to be one of us so that he could serve God as our merciful and faithful high priest and sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of our sins. And now that Jesus has suffered and was tempted, he can help anyone else who is tempted. Now the early church did not celebrate this time of Advent that we've been talking about in the last few messages. For the first few centuries, the believers focused so much on the Lordship of Christ, they paid very little attention to His birth. In fact, they did not even remember the date of His birth. They celebrated Easter and Pentecost, Pangsterdag. But only after a few hundred years, during the time of Constantine, did they begin to celebrate Christmas. Advent is such an enriching, rewarding time, as we saw in our last message, that we now gladly join our many brothers and sisters around the world in remembering again our Lord's incarnation 
And as I said before, Advent is, is something that is mainly uh, celebrated amongst Roman Catholics and some of the more traditional uh, Protestant churches. But it is such an, a rewarding time. We need to all celebrate it. Advent reminds us again of the invasion of this planet by God's representative, his ambassador, Christ, God's Son. For over 2,000 years, in prayers, songs and sermons, the church has confessed that in the fullness of time, the Word became flesh and lived amongst us. 1 John 1, 14. I hope you're taking notes. The word incarnation means to take on flesh. Through the years, people have had different opinions about the incarnation. Some thought Christ's body was not real, but only had the appearance of a man. Others wondered whether he had two wills, one divine and one human. Was he divine only when he did miracles and man the rest of the time? And so it goes on. Indeed, the incarnation is a mystery, a mystery that takes us out of our depth. We can't explain it. We cannot understand how God, in his infinite mercy, would be willing to visit our rebellious race. The letter of Hebrews can tell us a couple of things about the incarnation. So let's begin today with the reason for the incarnation. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Therefore, since the children have flesh and blood, he himself also shared the same things, so that by his death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Flesh and blood describe our humanity in its weakness and its mortality. When Jesus said to Peter in Matthew sixteen seventeen, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He meant no human being has ever told you that, Peter. As human beings, our bodies suffer the ravages of sickness, old age and death. Our flesh and blood body is not fit to enter the eternal state. We need a different kind of body for that. But because we are flesh and blood, Christ shared in our humanity and took on the same. He entered this world the same way we do, through a human mother. His conception was different, yes, but his birth was just like yours and just like mine. Because he did not have an earthly father, he cut off the sinful bloodline of inherited sin from Adam. This is so important to know. The minute you give your heart to Christ, you get his blood flowing through your veins. Hebrews 4.15 Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. 
You see, Jesus was born without sin. But he was fully human. And by becoming one of us and never sinning, he is able to bring us back to God. Jesus is always portrayed as fully human. He ate and drank as other people did. He got hungry, tired, thirsty. He had brothers and sisters, well, half-brothers and half-sisters. And when the soldier speared him, blood and water came out. Emotionally, too, he was fully human, just like us. He loved people. He had friends. He became indignant at the hardness of people's hearts. He felt sorrow. He wept. He had compassion. He experienced disappointment and gladness. Just like us, Jesus' humanity is seen clearly in his relationship to God. He was a man of prayer. He confessed he could do nothing of himself. He was entirely dependent upon the Father. Hebrews 5.7 tells us <clears throat> that he prayed with loud cries and tears. And when he died, he died with the Jewish child's bedtime prayer on his lips. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23. 46. Did you know that was a Jewish kiddie's bedtime prayer? To live in complete dependence upon God is how we too are designed to live. But Jesus was without sin. Sinfulness is not what makes a person human. Adam and Eve were fully human before they sinned. But Christ could still understand sin and empathize with sinners. The writer C.S. Lewis says this, To know drunkenness, you have to be sane. To study sleep, you have to be awake. To know sin, really know it, you have to be good. So, in our next section, we will look at the purpose of the incarnation. Makumus Lysterius Bikimusik. Welcome back. You are still standing here by the water gate on Anlock Radio. I am Peter Warren, and today we will talk about the menswording. Van Jesus Christus. Ons is in die seisoen van Advent. Die woord Advent kom van die Latijnse woord aankomst, wat beteken kom of naderkomst, Adventus. Kom of naderkomst. Die skrif praat op twee maniere van die komst van Christus. Christus het die eerste keer na die wereld gekom as die baba van Bethlehem. Maar sal weerkom as die rechtvaardige rechter. Om slechts aan Christus' eerste komst in nederigheid tydens Advent te dank, 
en nie aan sy tweede komst in heerlijkheid nie, is om die boeken van die evangelie te onkoppel. Dit is om die einde van ons verlossing te verwaarloos en so die begin van ons verlossing te ontken. Dit is net half om Advent te vier. Maar ons Advent gesange en kerstliedere sluit aan by wat ons geneig is om te sky. Luister net na hierdie. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. O come, O come Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. We shall see him, but in heaven, set at God's right hand on high, where, like stars, his children crowned, all in white, shall wait around. And this, hierdie adventstijd, laat ons nie sky wat God in sy evangelie saamgevoeg het nie, die eerste en die tweede komst. Mag die Heere jou bly maak, tydens hierdie herdenking van die geboorte van sy enigste Seen, Jesus Christus, dat terwyl jy hom met blijdskap aanneem as jou verlosser, jy mag hom met seker vertrouwe aanskou, wanneer hy kom om ons rechter te wees. Amen. Kom ons luister bykie muziek, en dan gesels ons verder. Welcome back to the Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren. We are talking about the mystery of the incarnation. You are tuned to Unlock Radio. So the purpose of the incarnation. What was he reared off for? Well, the first purpose, there's two purposes. The first one, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2.14 Since then, the children have partaken of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise partook of the same. He took flesh and blood geword. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. 1 John 3 verse 8 Magnificent scripture. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now what is all of this about death and the power and the fear of death? In scripture, the devil is the cause of all death and darkness, deceit and despair, sickness and sorrow. All of these can be traced back to the great deceiver of humankind who is, even as Jesus put it, a murderer from the beginning. John 8.44 His only aim is to destroy God's creation and to lead humankind 
into eternal ruin and eternal separation from God. Modern society finds it difficult to fit the biblical teaching on Satan and evil into its worldview. He fools them that he does not exist. Hey, Booty, how do you know when you've been deceived? You don't. But Jesus took this enemy very seriously. Satan pursued Jesus relentlessly right through his life. He knew that Christ would end his reign over the lives of men and women. Christ spoke of the strong man who keeps people in his power. Jesus, the stronger one, by becoming human, enters the house of Satan, binds the strong man and robs him of his prey. Mark three twenty-seven. Jesus said to them, Listen, no one is able to break into a mighty man's house and steal his property unless he first overpowers the mighty man and ties him up. Then his entire house can be plundered and his possessions taken. 1 John 3 verse 8 again. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, by his incarnation, Jesus made the devil inoperative. The Greek word used here, katergeo, means to put out of commission, out of work, out of operation, to render ineffective. Jesus came to take away all the power, all the power, all the power of the devil. His dominion shattered shaken to its very roots. One striking proof of this was Jesus casting out of demons with just a word of command. And when the disciples returned from their mission and reported that the demons were subject to them, Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, I watched Satan fall from heaven. In my own ministry, I have seen Many times, how the name of Jesus is so far more powerful than any power in which demons would operate. I know his name is above every name. And because of this, I truly fear nothing that has a name. For now, of course, course, death still does its devastating work. But beyond death is eternal life with God. Satan knows he has little time left, so he is gathering all his evil forces to accelerate against God and his people. But his future end is clear. 
Hoor wat sê Revelation 20 verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hoe lang is dit? So for all believers, our end of this life is but the beginning of life for us. Now this brings us to the second purpose of the incarnation. The first one was to destroy the works of the devil. The second one is to deliver us from the fear of death. Hebrews 2.15 By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, the fear of our death has hung over the human race like a thundercloud. This verse assures us that Christ has broken this bondage by coming to us in the incarnation. John in Revelation, had a revelation vision of Jesus, where he saw the risen Christ standing before him, and he fell on his face before him, the risen Christ. Revelation 1, 17, When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as good as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, and I heard his reassuring voice saying, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end, the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. And hold the keys. I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. You see, Hades, that vast abode of the dead, is now under Christ's control. Believers no longer need to fear death. Paul ends his great chapter on resurrection with a triumphant outburst. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54 And when that which is mortal puts on immortality, that's us, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay. That's also us. Then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me death, where is your sting? You see, to kill me, just when I open my eyes, I see Jesus. Death no longer has the final word. Christ took on our human nature and carried it right through death into an endless life with God. And now, beloved, he asks us to follow him.
Welkom terug bij die watergat. Ek is Peter Warren en jy is ingeskakel op Unlock Radio. We are talking about the incarnation, the mensvording of Jesus. Now, on a personal note, I once had a near-death experience. I had an allergic reaction to the dentist's injections and apparently all my veins collapsed, collapsed, what they call a, a vasovagal attack of sorts, and apparently I died. Inside my body, I heard the nurses shouting, I heard myself vomiting, I heard them call for the ambulance, I heard the ambulance come, I, knew, I heard the doctor say, oh, I think he's had a heart attack. But what I experienced inside my body is what I want to leave with you. Everything was completely dark, but peaceful dark. I never felt any fear. I was not worried about my wife and children, not because I don't love them, but because God was in charge. Time was no longer a factor, whether it was one minute or 60 minutes or three hours, it didn't matter. God doesn't wear a watch. I never saw a light to walk towards. I never saw Jesus. I never heard anything except the commotion outside that I described. I remember feeling that it was not yet my time. And then I woke up in intensive care in the hospital. Now, I remember three things from that experience. Number one, the absolute peace that I felt, the absence of all fear and anxiety. Number two, that time is not a factor there in the spirit. I once saw a man take three bullets next to me and he was dead before he hit the ground. And I always wondered what chance did he have to receive Christ. But I now know that time was not a factor to him. And maybe in the time of taking the shots and hitting the ground, Maybe he still had time to receive Christ as his Savior. You see, we can't, we don't have enough information to make decisions in, on these things. And number three, I now have no fear of death. I've been there, done that. I think what we worry about is the things that cause our death, like pain, or uh, our sickness, or, you know, those things. And we're more worried about the things that cause our death than the actual dying itself. But as a believer in Christ, please, Jesus went straight through, and you can go straight through. Hebrews 2, verse 15, By embracing death, 
Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for all the sons and daughters of Abraham. He set free those who live their lives in fear of death. For the sons and daughters of Abraham. God's promise to Abraham was that through him the whole world would be blessed. Genesis 12.3 And it must be clearly understood here that this blessing has come through Jesus Christ. Christian believers are now called children or descendants of Abraham. Galatians 3.7 So then, understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. So all the people of God, Old Testament and New Testament, are included. But only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ enjoy the benefits of the Incarnation. How's that? It's a New Testament thing. The blessings of the Incarnation. There are many, but for today, we only single out two blessings. And I read again Hebrews 2 verse 17. He had to be one of us so he could serve God as our merciful and faithful high priest and sacrifice himself for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the first one. And the second one, And now that Jesus has suffered and was tempted, he can help anyone else who is tempted. So let's look at the first one, our merciful high priest. To be the high priest of Israel, the high priest in the Old Testament had to be an Israelite. He had to be fully human. He had to be compassionate. He had to be trustworthy. To have a high priest who genuinely cares for us is greatly encouraging. People all around us are facing storms and fires of life. Loss of loved ones, bad news from the doctor, whatever. To whom can we turn? Is there anyone who understands? Who can help me? Yes, indeed. We have a merciful high priest at the right hand of Father God to intercede on our behalf. Only Jesus can fully understand our pain. Only Jesus can offer relief from the fire. Only Jesus can calm the storm. Only Jesus can fill in your potholes. No one else can. Not your spouse, nor your chomi, nor your gangmate. Uh-uh. Only Jesus. We have a high priest who cares, who understands, and can come to our side, as we see in the second part of that verse above. Because he himself was tempted and suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. He knows what you're going through. He's been there, done that. He's got the scars to prove it. Number two, Christ is able to help those who are tempted. 
when Jesus lived on earth, he endured all the usual trials and tests of life. But Satan also did everything he could to prevent Jesus from obeying the Father and going to the cross. Now the Bible tells us the enemy would leave Jesus only to return at a more opportune time, usually working through Jesus' disciples. When Jesus entered the Garden of Gethsemane, the enemy attacked him with all the fury of hell itself. But our Lord faced the suffering and the shame, persevered, and came forth triumphant over Satan and over all evil powers. And because of his triumph over temptation and testing, he is able now to help those who are being tempted and tested. And beloved, that includes you and me. The word help used in the scripture is the Greek word that means to run to someone who is crying. You cry out to God, Jesus comes running to help you. Thank you, Jesus. As we come to pray now, I encourage you, as I always do, just be honest. Don't fight God. Don't try and argue with God. Just be real. Call out to Him. Surrender control. He will reach out and meet you where you're at, and He will help you as you are. But you need to allow him. You need to invite him in. You need to listen carefully to every word he says. And you need to obey 100% what he tells you to do. So our challenge, do you believe you can pray today and your life will change? I do. I've seen it thousands of times in my own life and other people's lives. Make a life-changing decision right here, right now. Invite the Lord into your prison and circumstances and ask the Lord to help you, to help you overcome, to help you grow. But more than anything, thank Him for what He is going to do today in answer to these prayers. I remind you, you were not designed to be defeated you were designed for victory. Jy is vir oorwinning ontwerp. Maar daar is dinge wat jy moet baas raak. En Jesus sal jou help. Kom ons luister vir ou laas muziek. En dan gaan ons bid. Now Holy Spirit as we come to pray. I ask you, please come and help us. Unlock our words. Show us our need of Jesus. You might have heard this message of the incarnation, the men's warden. Dalk is jy glad nie, seker van wat het beteken nie. Maybe you just feel in your heart your life is not right with God. And you want to make right. Well, you can do that. You can start that process today.
maar dan moet jij met die Heere gesels oor jou, jou leven. I'm not going to put words in your mouth because there's no formula for this. Hierdie is een saak van die hart. But you can say something to Jesus like, Lord, I believe you died to pay for my wrongdoings, my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and I believe you're coming to fetch your bride. I want to be fetched by you as part of your bride. And so I ask you to forgive me all my wrongdoings, all my sins. Forgive me for the way I reacted to all the knocks of life. Father, forgive me, even as I forgive those who sinned against me and who betrayed me. Father, I release myself from what they said and what they did. I release them. Lord, I leave them in your hands. You work with them. But as for me, Jesus, will you please come and set me free from what they said and did against me. Heal my heart. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me where I've accused you of wrongdoing and you did nothing wrong. Thank you, Father. Wash me clean, Jesus. Now by faith, I invite you, Jesus, come into my life as my Savior, my Saligmaker, my Meester, my Koning, my King, my Lord. Come and begin to make me the person that you want me to be with the destiny that you've always had for me. By faith now, I receive my salvation. I receive my adoption into the family of God as a child of God. Today is my spiritual birthday. I am today born again by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now, to all of us, if there are things that I've said here that you need to respond to, we're going to pray now to ask for help. Maybe you need to, maybe you feel overcome by the enemy's attacks and you feel defeated and ashamed and stuck. Maybe you're fearing death, particularly if you're an older person listening to this message. Maybe you feel totally thrown away and forsaken. Why are you not, eh? Let's pray to ask for courage and to cry out to Jesus. Father, indeed, you know our heart. You know exactly where we are, where we're at. We just want to honestly say we really need you today. We ask you to put back the courage that living life takes out of us. We cry out to you, Jesus, in our circumstances 
Oh, please come and help us, Lord. Please come and help us in our temptations. Please come and help us, Lord. Please come and help us. Come and fill in our potholes. Make us whole, Lord. You came to heal the brokenhearted. Make us whole, Lord. By faith now, we receive your help, Holy Spirit. Touch us now, we pray. Minister to us. Minister salvation to those who have prayed for salvation. Minister strength and overcoming victory to those who need. Destroy fear and minister faith. Release faith. Lord, for those feeling totally forsaken and throw away, Jesus, would you please draw near to them. Come and hold them, Lord. Come and hold them. Tell them it's going to be okay. Just let them hear you, Lord. Father, I want to ask, there's particular people that just, I want to ask you to, as the giant father that you are, I want to ask you to lift them onto your knee and to sing your father's, daddy's love song to them. Thank you, Lord. We pray for lives to be encouraged and changed. We pray for salvation. We forbid the enemy from stealing any truth spoken in this message. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. I say, flight, flight, my story is for eight. Dankie weer eens vir die keier by die watergat. Lekker vars vir ochend. Until we meet again at the watering hole, be richly blessed. As Peter Warren wat groet to die volgende keer, start it And remember, you are writing this last chapter of your life. God bless you.